0: Hey Adam, guess what time it is?
1: It's time to Crack the Customer Code.
0: Welcome to episode 48 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Adam Toporek. How you doing today, Adam?
1: I am wonderful. And I have a feeling that if people have not subscribed to our podcast since, I don't know, we've been doing this, how many episodes now? What is this, 48? This is
0: episode 48, my friend. I think
1: they're going to jump off the fence now because this episode is all about subscriptions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How true. We have an expert on the subject for sure. One of the best B2B marketers in the United States and a best-selling author on this very subject of subscriptions. John Warlow is here, is our interview today, and I can't wait to share this one. It's really great, and he has so much that any business leader can really apply to their own business.
1: Yeah, and I love this interview, and I've really been thinking about it since we talked to John. And here's a question I have for you, Jeannie. How many subscriptions do you have?
0: Oh, my goodness. I really would have to sit down and, like, count them up because I just get charged every month, and I just get stuff, and it works. (laughs) So (laughs) there's all sorts of things. If you really break it down into software and software as a service and content, I get a lot of magazines, but I actually get them on my iPad, uh, there's all sorts of things that we get through subscription models.
1: Yeah, I feel like between CRM systems, email systems, everything else, then all the personal things we get Amazon, Netflix,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's got to be 15, 20, or more.
0: Yeah, I, would, every I month. would agree with that at least.
1: So here's my philosophical question for you Uh oh. How many did you have five years ago?
0: Uh huh. Probably yeah. a handful.
1: <laughs> exactly. And that's interesting. And that's, I think, the the trend that John Warlow has captured in his book is how that's really changed for so many of us, mm-hmm. particularly in business, where so much is going offline. I know in the episode I talk about Adobe Creative Cloud and that whole system of moving from software to this membership online subscription-based thing.
0: hmm Yeah, he's got some really great points. And I think I like that he looks at things in a way that isn't just about technology or isn't just about content. It's about services and how anybody can really look at this to repeat revenue for their business as well.
1: So I can't wait to get there. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to talk to John. But first, of course, we have a word from our
0: sponsors. That's right. right. We all know that customer experience is hot, but are you taking advantage of its huge potential to make your services business more prominent and profitable? Join Service Strategies for an informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. You'll learn how to create customer success while generating profitable revenue for your services business. The workshop is part of the Service Industry Summit event, which brings together leaders from companies like Cisco, Dell, and others to discuss the challenges of a changing service landscape. Visit servicestrategies.com to learn more.
1: And if you want to reach CX or CS professionals, and really, who doesn't, you too can sponsor this podcast. Just go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. Now, Jeannie, tell us a little bit about John Warlow.
0: We're really excited to bring you this interview with John Warlow. He is the founder of the Value Builder System and the author of the best-selling book, Built to Sell, Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You, which was recognized by both Fortune and Inc. Magazines as one of the best business books of 2011. Built to Sell has been translated into four languages. John's new book, The Automatic Customer, Creating a Subscription Business in Any Industry, was released by Random House in February 2015. So let's jump right in, and here's the interview with John. So John, thank you so much for being with us here today. Well,
2: thanks for having me, Jeannie.
0: Absolutely. And I love all of the work that you've done around kind of the subscription idea, and it seems like that idea, particularly recently, has really taken off. And so you mentioned five trends driving this success. Can you share those with us?
2: Yeah, I mean, the biggest one, Jeannie, really is, is the, the fact that young people in particular are no longer hang, hung up around finding assets or acquiring assets. You know, our parents' generation, it was all about the house in the suburbs and the white picket fence. And for most young people today, you know, we're, we're comfortable buying the rights to things as opposed to buying the asset itself. So, for example, home ownership in the United States is at its lowest point. In a generation, and if you just look at the way we consume media, I mean, many of us have turned off the cable and we're now using Netflix. Most of us are no longer downloading songs from iTunes; we're subscribing to things like Apple Music or Spotify or RDO. So, really, the the, the sharing um, economy combined with this not notion that we're, we're really buying a- access as opposed to assets these days, and that's really what I think is driving the, 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 the adoption of the subscription business model.
0: Definitely.
1: You know, yeah, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned uh, generational. So I, I use some Adobe products, and I had a real hard time switching when they went to the creative cloud. They went to this cre- cloud-based solution for Photoshop and Fireworks and all of these things, and I was so used to having the software. It, it honestly took me about a year and a half to get over that mental hurdle but you're right that I think that the younger generation is just that's that's how they view the world and that's how they view commerce now isn't it
2: it sure is. And what's interesting about the Adobe announcement, you know, Adobe got into a lot of hot water when they made the, the announcement because so many of us had bought the perpetual license or even were using the free version. And so suddenly to be having to, you know, another uh, charge on our credit card for Adobe products, what's interesting about the Adobe announcement, though, was that they have been selling subscriptions for more than a decade. The only difference is that they were selling subscriptions to their service plans and not their software. And so Adobe is actually a very seasoned, very professional, very sophisticated subscription marketer. It's just not necessarily to the software itself. That's a relatively new inclusion for them. But they're, they've been selling subscriptions for a decade.
1: So what about keeping customers? You know, they obviously have some experience with it, but what are some principles? What stops someone from quitting after a month or so in a subscription service?
2: Well, you know, churn is driven by a lot of things. But it's actually, if you, if you distill it down to its core, it's not using the product or service. I mean, you're going to churn off Netflix if you don't, you, if you don't watch Netflix. Uh, if you don't listen to Apple Music, you're going to stop subscribing to Apple Music. Um, so one of the big things you've got to do early is get the customer to, quote-unquote, bed in. And what that means is the onboarding experience has to be really, really crisp because we've got this window – Uh, I call it the sort of honeymoon window where the first 60 to 90 days of a new subscriber's relationship with your company is when you have the, the ability to impact their behavior you know when we buy something there's this halo effect we, you know we want to use it right we want to justify the expenditure and so we're willing to invest to get trained to understand you know how to how to integrate Netflix into our lives how to integrate Office 365 into our computer system how to upload whatever Adobe Creative Cloud etc but once that 90 day window goes beyond 90 days once we go beyond 90 days it's very difficult to change the customer's behavior so the challenge for a subscription marketer if they want a lower churn it's really Really, about how do we get to affect the customer behavior in that first sixty to ninety days
0: and and so let's say somebody does decide that okay we 're not listening to the music that i'm subscribing to or we're not watching the Netflix enough cancellation is is a big thing around this topic, and so I'm wondering what do you think is the best cancellation policy? For subscription services, from both the business and the customer perspective,
2: yeah, it, it depends if it's a business-to-consumer play or a business-to-business product. So the 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 industry norm for business-to-consumer products, Netflix, uh, Spotify, etc., um, is you want to cancel fine, no problem. We'll cancel you, and there's no you know no future billing. For a business-to-business product, it would be likely that you're, in particular in the enterprise space, that there is a firm commitment around a certain period of time. So what enterprise companies don't do is they don't sign up for perpetual licenses very much. So you'll get a, you know, Salesforce.com will sell a subscription to, uh, you know, name the big company, IBM as an example. And when they sell that subscription, it has a start and an end date. And that lock-in period is the the time which IBM is committed to pay Salesforce.com, after which they can cancel. And so in a business-to-business environment, you know, I think it's much more common to have contract length. You've got to re-up the contract at the end as the provider. Likewise, as the consumer, you can't just cancel ad hoc. Um, But in a business-to-consumer model, it's much more common that we can just cancel anytime.
1: Yeah, I mean, subscription, it's so interesting because you want to make it easy to get out because, you know, it's so powerful word of mouth nowadays. But it's amazing the subscription model, how it benefits not just from the recurring revenue of the subscription, but from loyalty and add-on sales. And I know, uh, you know, a statistic you shared with us is that the average Amazon Prime customer spends $709 more per year than the average Amazon customer. So tell us a little bit about why that is.
2: Well, in part, the Amazon Prime subscriber wants to get their money's worth, right? So we make the decision to subscribe – And that changes our behavior. It makes us more likely to buy from that company. It's one of the hidden secrets, kind of a Trojan horse about creating a subscription model. I mean, why does Amazon, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue care about a little hundred bucks a month from customers, et cetera? Well, number one, they've got 40 million subscribers. So it's actually now a $4 billion business for Amazon. Oh my gosh. But, but, But arguably way more important to Amazon is what it does to our behavior. It makes us want to buy more from Amazon. If you look, you know, we've talked a little bit about software tech companies, but in a very low-tech business, you can see the same thing happen. I mean, H Bloom as a company is a company that sells flowers on subscription. So they sell flowers to spas and hotels and restaurants and so forth. And while they have a standard subscription that they sell so that you know if you order you know if you're a spa and you want a dozen gerber daisies on your reception table delivered every 2 weeks they'll send that to you but what they find is that once they get subscribers it's very common that subscribers buy more flowers throughout the month Uh, Because they decide that not only do they want the flowers in the reception table, but they also want them in the whatever, in the spa treatment room, as an example. So it changes customers' behavior. Once you build that subscription, that ongoing, the trust associated with that ongoing relationship, makes it much easier to sell them additional uh, products and services.
0: Well, I know I'm guilty of being that Prime customer who's like, oh, I can just order from Prime, like anything that pops into my head. I mean, that You're not alone,
2: Jeannie.
1: You're not alone. I know. They they own me, basically. Yeah, they do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like the idea of how, and I think you really talk about this well in your books, too, is how it is a relationship. It's not about the transaction. The subscription models are really about building that relationship and building that trust. Um, and I think your Amazon and your flower delivery examples really highlight that, but what is next for this then? Like we're kind of, I feel like we're maybe in the honeymoon stage of this model. How will this model evolve to serve customers in the future?
2: Well, I think you're just going to see more and more companies move to this model. I mean, I believe that we're really leaving the transaction economy. And if you if you want to use the dating analogy, transaction economy would be like the one night stand, right? When you go in, <laughs> you 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 know you you walk into Staples and you buy a box of office. You know, software CDs off the shelf, and you go install them. I mean, that was that was yesterday's kind of way of buying uh, software, and today we buy it on subscription. I see that in many, many different industries. I mean, you, you just look at Starbucks. I mean, t- traditionally, we walk into Starbucks, we buy the grande latte. Well, recently, last quarter, Starbucks a- a- a announced that they, too, have gone to a subscription business model, not for their entire company, but for their you know, real coffee aficionados, those Uber kind of customers that want really fresh coffee delivered to their home. Uh, and so I think we're just going to see more and more of these very large enterprise companies and small companies. Adopt the subscription model. And and really, it's in the smaller company space where where they have the most to both gain but also lose. Because if you think about it now, with Amazon Subscribe and Save, one of the other subscription um, business models from Amazon, because Amazon sells virtually everything in the world, they build themselves as the everything store – then by definition almost everything is now available on subscription so if you're a small business and you've relied on proximity as your killer advantage like you're a you're a dog Pet store and and you you rely on the fact that pet food costs uh, or or weighs eighty pounds and therefore people <laughs> aren't going to want to you know go to the shopping mall they're going to you know they're going they're going to find the fact that you're right down the street is is relevant to them mm-hmm. well when Amazon turns around and says hey we'll 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 ship you your eighty kilogram bag of uh, dog food no problem uh, all of a sudden it 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 dilutes their value proposition of proximity to the customer and so I think you know more and more we're going to see These smaller companies have to adopt adopt subscription models, not because of the competition between, you know, the the other small retailer in their space, but really against the likes of Amazon and Target, all of whom now have subscription offerings.
1: It's Hmm. almost a defensive play.
2: It's exactly that. And I think the companies that are getting ahead of it are the ones that are are saying, okay, you know, the transaction economy is coming to an end. We've got to figure out uh, what our subscription model is.
1: Now, this is great stuff. And you, I, I got to tell you, you really picked a great topic for, I mean, the automatic customer because it, it is amazing how powerful this trend is. And one thing I'm realizing speaking to you about Starbucks and Amazon is how much these companies rely on my personal addictions <laughs> to make money. So true. So, yeah, I think, uh, they're monetizing addiction. Is that in your book? <laughs>
2: It isn't, but it's you know it, it brings up an interesting point, and and that is that you know for a subscription to be successful, by its very nature, it has to create recurring revenue, and therefore you have to have a, a sticky subscription service, one that people aren't going to churn from. And we know that the the highest churn subscriptions, the, the the subscriptions customers quit at the highest rate, are typically business or business to consumer. Uh, uh, subscription offerings, the ones that have the most sticky relationships tend to be business to business relationships, and they tend to be ones where one business is helping another business make money. Like the churn rate on on Salesforce.com is very, very low. Uh, But if you look at the churn rate on a membership website, like, for example, the Wood Whisperer, which is a membership website, you can buy information on how to do cabinet making on subscription, which is a very business to consumer uh, model, you'd see a much higher churn rate. Uh, likely, uh, you know, double-digit churn rate uh, because it's a business-to-consumer space. So, you know, as you're thinking about it, if we've got startups listening, people who are just, you know, envisioning creating a business, uh, you're going to see a, a much lower churn rate in a business-to-business environment, typically, especially where you're helping one business make money.
0: Well, and I I wonder, too, in the example that you bring up about the cabinet kind of diy model there's so much free content great content available some from brands like the home depot has phenomenal uh videos everywhere about how to do things so how can these subscription models kind of overcome or compete with some of the free content that's available out there
2: yeah it's a double-edged sword really because on one hand the mass publications, the New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, et cetera, have now gone to a paywall model, right? So mm-hmm. five or 10 years ago, they were all putting their content up for free. It decimated their business model. They had to slash the editorial. They had to slash the, the editorial, kind of the, you know, the, the, the newsroom. And we as consumers realized that actually content has value. And therefore, we're willing to pay a little bit. And so all of a sudden, that made a sea change. And now we're seeing uh, Wall Street Journal, over a million subscribers. I think last time I checked, New York Times, similar. So we're now paying for content. And and on one hand, that's a good thing. It means that a small operator uh, can now create content, put it behind a paywall, and get customers to buy. And again, that wouldn't have been possible, say, even five years ago. So companies like um, restaurantowner.com or contractorselling.com that sells how-to information about improving your, your contractor practice, restaurant owner, how to, you know, create a successful restaurant. Those are all models that even five years ago would not have existed, I don't think, because, again, we're more comfortable paying for content. The, the flip side, though, is you're right. B- content is when people have a, a back end uh, you know, model like a Home Depot, it's, it's becoming easier to get that content. And so I think what we've got to do is just get really, really niche. Mm-hmm. And so, or niche if you happen to be from Alabama, uh, <laughs> you've really got to focus in on um, a very, very small slice of of what it is you want to communicate. So again to go back, um owner.com is a successful membership website that teaches dance studio owners how to run a successful dance studio. Well, that's a very niche niche topic and and Home Depot or Walmart or Target won't care about communicating with dance studio owners. They might create content for dancers or little girls who, you know, like dancing, but they're not going to create niche content for dance studio owners because it's just too narrow a market. So I think what we've got to do is, is as entrepreneurs just get more and more comfortable with getting nichier and nichier as we go to get down to that that slice where we're not competing with the likes of Target or Home Depot. Hmm.
1: That's great advice. I really love this topic, and you know, it's such an amazing thing to see how technology has both facilitated and sort of necessitated all of these changes you're talking about. So thanks so much, John. We really appreciate you being with us. This has been great. Tell us uh, where people can find you on the Internet.
2: Well, if you go to automaticcustomer.com, there's an ebook there, and you can subscribe or download the ebook. Uh, there are nine different subscription models outlined in the ebook. It describes you know, which model is right for you, some pros and cons to each model, and some things you might want to think about. And it's free. You can just go to automaticcustomer.com and download it.
0: That's fantastic. And I've been learning a lot from your book. So thank you for that, and thank you for joining us today. This was really fantastic.
2: Yeah, thanks, John. Jeannie, Adam, it's my pleasure.
0: We hope
1: you enjoyed this episode of Crack the Customer Code. Head on over to CrackTheCustomerCode.com for all of our shows and show notes. And thanks to our sponsor, Service Strategies, for supporting this podcast. Make sure to check out their informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. Go to ServiceStrategies.com. That is ServiceStrategies.com for more details.
0: And as always, we so appreciate you listening and sharing our podcast with your networks. Please, we'd love your feedback. Drop us an email at thecustomercode at gmail.com or give us a call at 470-223-CODE and let us know what you like, what we could improve on, or who you would like us to invite as a guest. And please
1: subscribe. Unlike all of the subscriptions we've talked about today, (laughs) this one is free. You can subscribe on iTunes or you can subscribe on Stitcher, and you will never miss an episode. And also, of course, if you like what you hear, we would love your comments and review. And don't forget, they made social media for a reason. Share the love.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters. You can find me, read my blog, sign up for customer experience webinars and more at 360connects.com. That's 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T dot Or find me on Twitter, Jeannie CW. And I'm Adam Pork,
1: and you can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and my book, Be Your Customer's Hero at CustomersThatStick.com. And until next time, take care
0: of yourself. And take care of your customers.